Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.58 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 12th of July, Monday, 2021. This is episode 453 of Bitcoin. And, oh man, what a weekend. I cooked ribs, dude. If you saw the pictures, they came out really well. Uh, If you were over at my house eating them, and you weren't because it was just me and my kids, dude, these things were delicious. Best Best racks of ribs that I've ever produced. I don't know what I did different this time, but man, dude, these things were, <laughs> these things were melting your mouth good. All right. So what do we got going on for the Monday? Oh God. It looks like German Neobank N26 plans to enable Bitcoin purchases. Oh joy. This is BTC Times and Thomas M is writing it. German Neobank N26 is working to enable Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency purchases for its 7 million customers by the end of the year. The move comes, although N26 co-founder Valentin Stolf is not exactly a Bitcoin fan, as German finance magazine Finance FWD reports. However, quote, the customers want crypto, he was quoted saying earlier this year. Oh, little baby, to make the Bitcoin feature possible, N26 is reportedly working with an unnamed partner in Serbia, <laughs> where a team of 40 people is working with N26 global product and technology team, according to a representative. The developments indicate a shift in N26's stance towards Bitcoin as until recently. Its terms and conditions included a section noting that cryptocurrency transactions could result in account closures. Only in 2020, N26 users shared related experiences on Bitcoin talk. Damn. From closing down your account because of Bitcoining, they're going to now start allowing, oh, God, the flip-flopping. It's like a fish out of water. It's just sad to watch. The trading platform, the Challenger Bank, plans to launch in 2022 will feature stock trading options. Whether it will include cryptocurrency trading pairs is not clear. Neobanks have seen a rise in popularity in recent years. N26 itself has reached a valuation of $3.5 billion since launching its operation in 2013. Especially younger audiences tend to gravitate towards the new banks, often due to the ability to open and manage a bank account completely online. Many neobank uh, banks further provide a partnership with popular brands and additional perks such as cashback and travel or phone insurances, catering to a young and mobile crowd. Market research firm Grandview Research estimated that neobanks will take up a market size of over $722.6 billion by 2028. In 2020, the global neobank market size stood at around $47.1 billion. Man, I don't know, man. (sighs) Uh, 
I don't know about neobanks. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm probably just an old fuddy-duddy and want a brick-and-mortar building that I can walk into. But, you know, that, again, that's just me being an old fuddy-duddy. Still, though, there's something to be said about being able to go talk to a person in person and say, where's my money, bitches? Because with a neobank, it's like, I mean, I could just see, like, picking up your phone one day and your bank's not there. It's just gone, right? Because, you know, not your keys, not your coin. A anyway, and even, I mean, I, I know, I get it. Traditional banks, it's still not your money. It's their money. When you give them your money, it becomes their money. They tell you that it's your money, but it's really not your money, whatever. Speaking of money, this, this, uh, uh, that article is brought to you by Spike Lee, the Oscar-winning movie director who announces that he's going to be directing an upcoming Bitcoin ATM commercial. Holy shit. Quote, old money is not going to pick us up. It pushes us down. The digital rebellion is here, says Spike Lee in this Bitcoin magazine tweet. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of shocked. Spike Lee is not the guy that I would have suspected to be anywhere close to Bitcoin. Yeah. Talk about being an old fuddy-duddy. Well, apparently he's going to be directing a Bitcoin ATM commercial, so we'll have to see who that's for and what it's all about, when it comes out, and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of found that a little shocking when I saw that, which is why I wanted to put it up in today's list. Now, getting back to news here, we've got Israeli Investment Fund Group announces multi-billion BTC investment. Oh, goody. Oh, goody. Dale Hurst is writing this for Yahoo News on Saturday, July 10th. That was a couple of days ago. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get into this newsworthy piece here. The Israel, uh, Israeli uh, Investment Fund Group, or IIFG, has announced that they have invested a whopping $2.3 billion into Bitcoin. Based between Tel Aviv and Beverly Hills, California, shared a tweet. Well, the venture, the venture capital firm shared a tweet. On July 9th, stating as part of portfolio's diversification policy, we have invested $2.3 billion into Bitcoin. It is part of a global strategy to lead Israel to the future of the currency. IIFG particularly invests in Israeli startups, early stage companies, and tech assets. However, the private investment firm also manages Israel's sovereign wealth fund. The multi-billion dollar investment comes amid reports that the Israeli security forces have begun targeting and seizing cryptocurrency accounts used by the Palestinian Hamas group. These reports are all fucking false. That's right. This is a bogus news story. <laughs> if you didn't catch the fire about this shit on Saturday and Sunday, um... That that's too bad. You you kind you kind of missed out, man. This entire thing was was memed into existence by somebody changing their Twitter account name uh, to like what to whatever the name of this thing was was it's like uh, the Isra I guess Israeli Investment Fund or something like that. It 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 it. it let's see if I can actually find it. Hold on for a sec. What? Oh, phew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's the story. I've got to like, I'm looking at my Twitter account right now because I, I picked, I uh, did a, one of those, uh, how it started, how it's going. And how it started was with this article from, from Yahoo Finance. How it's going 
is that the tweet from Gegelsmer uh, is is now gone because they suspended his account. So it was at G-E-G-E-L-S-M-R, changed his Twitter name to this thing and started tweeting out how they had uh, invested all this money in into Bitcoin. Well, it got picked up and, and got, you know, basically retweeted and liked so much that Yahoo F- News or Yahoo Finance or whatever picked up the story as real and did a piece on it and ran it in, in, in one of the most embarrassing face palmy ways even imaginable. We memed fake news into existence. Hats off to you, dude. I'm sorry you lost your account over it because that, that account is not coming back. And it's not even his fault. It's Yahoo is the one that should lose their fucking account. They're the stupid motherfuckers who picked up the story and ran with it without even looking twice. And no, but it's, it's this poor guy. He's the one that get his, his, he's, he's the guy that gets his account suspended. No, 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 not, not Yahoo. It's fuck God. It's ridiculous, but not as ridiculous as the following. Got this tweet here from bunny girl at zero X bunny girl announcing the request for reorg contract. This contract creates a mechanism that allows users to pay miners to reorg the Ethereum blockchain. Let's dive in to how we can codify chain reorgs as a primitive. And if you can't see how that is nothing but a flaming train wreck, I can't help you. I can't help you. How... And she's serious. She got pissed. Bunny girl got pissed when people were picking up this tweet and uh, and running you know running around with it, saying, "Oh my God, the Ethereum, Ethereum is just a fucking dumpster fire." And she said something like along the lines of that, "We're just jealous that we can't pay miners to reorg the Bitcoin blockchain. That we must have small penises and cannot pleasure a woman properly." No, I'm serious, dude. That shit happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that she compared, like, said that w- we don't have dicks because we don't have a mechanism to reorg the Bitcoin blockchain. That's kind of the whole point. That's the whole point. Because when you think about it this way, I decide that, um, I decide that, I don't know, Hamas shouldn't be using Ethereum and I've tracked it to a wallet, you know, some transactions to a wallet that, that I, you know, for whatever reason, believe that Hamas uses. And then I go to the miners and I say, hey, man, here's the smart contract. You go ahead and reorg this shit back to block whatever. And uh, yeah, could you just get that done? That's what this is. That, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If, you. if you're sitting there trying to, like, if you're scratching your head, you should probably be scratching your head. Hell, I'm looking straight straight up at this freaking GitHub repository for the smart contract, and I'm still scratching my head. Who the hell would do this? Not only who the hell would do this, it, uh, people are, some people have asked in regards to this, how, the, you know, why this can't be done on, on Bitcoin. Well, there's no incentive to do it on Bitcoin because that's the whole point the whole reason we're here, the whole reason this industry even exists is because real, being able to censor past transactions 
is not cool. We don't like that. So that's why we have proof of work. And this shit is going to get even way worse on proof of stake. When, when there's literally just running a contract so that you can extract value out of a chain because somebody bribed you to reorg the, the, the whole chain and you don't even have to run a GPU to do it, then it becomes even more sinister. I mean, this is, there is nothing about this that is good. If you're holding Ethereum right now, I'd run to the hills. I'd run as fast as I could. I'd run like my life depended on it. Because it kind of does. If you've, if you've got any kind of sizable amount of wealth locked up in, in Ethereum, you probably might consider punching out. Because at any given time, is somebody's just going to pay a miner to reorg the chain. Is that where you want to be? Is that, I mean, honestly. And the fact that, that Codify chain reorgs as a primitive, the language itself is like, fuck, just write a goddamn DLL. <laughs> let's just let's just have it in every app. I mean, let's just be like, let me reorg the chain. Anytime that I, you know, have a couple of beers and a hundred bucks and decide to pay some idiot to reorg the damn chain and they ain't even got to work on it, why wouldn't they take a hundred bucks? They're, they certainly aren't going to spend a hundred bucks in electricity to do this shit. So yeah, that happened and it's happening now. So if you are wondering, if you are wondering why, You've been seeing tweets about MEV, or I guess it's minor extractable value, and why there's a whole bunch of Twitter accounts like basically on fire about Ethereum right now and, and telling people to get the hell out. This is why. This is, if you're wondering, I hope I answered your question. It's because they want to codify chain reorgs as a primitive and just be able to pay miners to reorg the chain as part of a smart contract. So that's what's going on on there. Uh, Jack Dorsey and Square to build mainstream Bitcoin hardware wallet. This is Nick Hoffman writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. Square's hardware lead, Jesse Dorogusker, announced yesterday that Square, Jack Dorsey, and he have decided to build a secure yet user-friendly mobile Bitcoin wallet designed for mainstream adoption. This comes after last month's consideration for building the wallet in an announcement by the Twitter and Square CEO in a Twitter thread. And then it shows his, his uh, Jack's tweet here. It says, uh, this is back on June the 4th, 2021. Square is considering making a hardware wallet for Bitcoin. If we do it, we would build it entirely in the open from software to hardware design and in collaboration with the community. We want to kick off this thinking the right way by sharing some of our guiding principles. And he just kind of goes on with that one. In the thread, Dorsey dives, it, dives into why they're interested in making this type of Bitcoin wallet, highlighting the questions of what is going to get Bitcoin into the hands of the next 100 million users in a non-custodial fashion. Quote, Bitcoin is for everyone. It's important for us, or it's important to us to build an exclusive product that brings a non-custodial solution to the global market, end quote. The importance of this wallet being non-custodial is to ensure the users always have full control over the Bitcoin and not a third party, but they realize that Bitcoin custody does not always have to be an all or nothing deal, and they can help with assisted self-custody, which one can only assume that they will have an option to help play a role in the multi-signature scheme, similar to fan favorite multi-sig providers Unchained Castle, or Unchained Castle, Unchained Capital, and CASA. This wallet will be prioritizing smartphone usage. 
Dorsey mentioned that most people today access the internet via mobile devices and that this helps them create a wallet that will blend availability and security, making it easy for customers to keep the funds they want quick access to at their fingertips, spendable with phone-only permissions. He states that trust cannot be required for this wallet and that many customers depend on third parties. Square will be there for any customers to lean on when they need assistance, but clarifies that they are not required. Towards the end of the thread, he explains that safety is of the utmost importance, addressed some of the threats Bitcoin wallets face, and asked for feedback on anything they miss. So, hardware wallet coming out of Square should be interesting. Uh, I I hope it's built. I hope it's built better than the uh, Ledger hardware wallets because. Those are little cheap pieces of shit, honestly. So why do media companies attack the Bitcoin industry? Well, let's find out from Casey Carrillo from uh, Bitcoin Magazine here. I'll tell you, well, before we read the article, let me, let me tell you why. Because they were told to. They're not formulating their own opinion any longer. That, that shit ended years ago. No. Media companies hate Bitcoin because they're told to hate Bitcoin. They don't, honestly, the media companies don't know if they hate Bitcoin or not. They don't even think anymore. I mean, clearly they don't, they can't, they can't, I'm, they can't think. You know, the, the, the Yahoo News article that I was telling you about earlier with the Israeli investment fund, it was completely bogus. They picked it up off of Twitter. A guy memed that entire story into existence and it hits freaking Yahoo Finance. The media companies are not thinking at all. They're being told what to write. And they're being guided by click, you know, basically like, what can I get a click on? Because it's the only way they make their revenue is click throughs. So pretty much if you're trusting anything that the media has to tell you, you're going to get hurt. You're, you're going to get hurt. They are not telling you to take the vaccine because they've done all their research and they think it's safe. They're telling you to take the vaccine because they're being told by somebody else to tell you to take the vaccine. They don't hate Bitcoin. They don't even know what the hell Bitcoin is. They're being told to hate Bitcoin. You keep that in mind and, and stay safe out there. Let's get into the article. It is with no hyperbole that I say the media industry has it out for Bitcoin, whether it be for the massive engagement to be extracted from the buzzing digital asset keyword or a legitimate opinion on Bitcoin mining, it appears that media outlets cannot help but exaggerate and hyperbolize comments on Bitcoin. One recent example of this was the piece put out in regard to Green Ridge's generation operations on Seneca Lake in New York. Bitcoin Magazine's Level 39 contributed an excellent piece that addressed the issues with this NBC article, and there were many. Essentially, the NBC piece utilized a quote from a concerned citizen that was hyperbole, quote, The lake is so warm you feel like you're in a hot tub, said Abby Buddington of Dresden, whose house is near the plant, end quote. Mm-hmm. What is particularly interesting is that there is no mention of Bitcoin in the infamous quote almost as if the lake was simply being described as warm. Of course, citizens have the right to be concerned about whatever they want, and there are indeed channels for voicing and acting on these concerns. However, as Level 39's piece details, the actual warming of the lake as a result of the plant is quite literally non-existent. 
And there are multiple complex factors the NBC article plainly ignores. So why would a media company publish a comment meant entirely as hyperbole in an attempt to frame Bitcoin mining plants in a negative light? <gasps> uh, they don't like Bitcoin because they don't understand it. I'm going to pause right there. That's, that's his answer to that question, I suppose. However, I'm going to pause to say that's not it. It's not that they don't like Bitcoin because they don't understand it is, is a kind of a nonsensical statement in and of itself. They, that has, whether they understand Bitcoin or they don't understand Bitcoin is entirely beside the point. They are not acting on that. They're being told by their handlers who have their hands in so many financial pies to hate Bitcoin. Jerome Powell somewhere, I'm sure, has picked up the phone and told a media outlet to slam Bitcoin. Can I prove it? No. Do I give a shit? No. I don't honestly give a flying rat's ass. Who is telling who what? All I do know is that these people are not writing these pieces because they don't understand Bitcoin. I mean, like I said, whether they do or don't understand it is entirely aside from the point. The point is they're being directed. Okay, don't don't think that this is like some kind of organic thing that they're doing. They're they're being directed to hate Bitcoin. So continuing, any amount of carbon or environmental impact generated as a result of Bitcoin is too much if you don't believe it is a worthy utilization of energy. But in order to develop an opinion <coughs> of whether or not Bitcoin is a worthy utilization of energy, one must understand Bitcoin. While many media companies clearly do not. An excellent piece by Creasis BTC details why educated people commonly not only misunderstand Bitcoin, but decide to actively dislike it. Alan Farrington adds on to this idea stating, but the gist of it is that people whose profession or primary intellectual pursuits consist of word smithery, as Nozick calls it, competitively putting forward essentially verbal arguments in the hope of enacting influence, seem inclined to find unfair and unjust a dynamic in which this gets you nowhere, end quote. When reading this, the media immediately came to mind. The media utilizes words and phrases in a verbal argument format in the hopes of enticing influence, or sorry, enacting influence, this time on your opinion of Bitcoin and its environmental impact. Upon reckoning with the idea that this is futile in regards to Bitcoin, the media is left with utilizing hyperbole and quotations from people who don't understand Bitcoin. Indeed, one example of an environmental activist who doesn't understand Bitcoin, who is often cited in the media, Yvonne Taylor, stated, quote, We simply cannot allow this ludicrous scheme of burning fossil fuels to make fake money in the midst of climate change, end quote. Such a disrespectful characterization of a global monetary network designed to empower unbanked people should have been illuminated as such. Instead, it became national media coverage of Bitcoin. I don't even know who the fuck Yvonne is, man. Who's Who is this chick? Whatever. This same activist is now referenced in the Greenage Seneca piece where she states, quote, these crypto operations are looking for anywhere that has relatively cheap power in a relatively cool climate. It's a horrible business model for all of New York State, the United States, and for the planet. Oh, my God. In a separate piece, Taylor reiterates, quote, we're talking about burning more fossil fuels to make fake money in the middle of climate change which we view as insane, end quote. Insane, their view of Bitcoin may be. Uh, that's an interesting sentence. Insane, I guess it's insane as 
their view of Bitcoin may be. Sorry, I had to correct it there. It's They don't have the as in there. But infringing upon the freedom to execute computer code in order to solve mathematical problems that reward you with Bitcoin is far more insane. Uh, Bitcoin utilizes energy in the process of mining, but this energy usage is justified through its abilities to protect, store, and transfer the wealth of an entire civilization. Indeed, in Hasmic Cook's a comparison of Bitcoin's environmental impact with that of gold and banking, the reality of Bitcoin's environmental impact is unveiled, unveiled to be far, far less than that of both industries. It's understandable to want to minimize environmental impact. The single most important way we can do this is to adopt a monetary standard, which incentivizes long-term planning, coordination, and saving. The environmental impact of Bitcoin has been proven to be negligible in comparison to global greenhouse gas emissions. So, regardless of how many times critics refer to Bitcoin as fake money, the core of their view that it impacts climate change is categorically false and, quote, the equivalent of removing 2.25 drops from a one-gallon jug, warming those drops by about 7 degrees Fahrenheit adding them back to the judge ju uh, to the jug each day and then claiming that they are causing the jug to feel warm end quote we can characterize the media's representation of bitcoin as a misunderstanding in the same way that telling a police officer you didn't know it was against the law to drink and drive is a misunderstanding the media deliberately misleads people in regards to the environmental impacts of bitcoin because of their lack of understanding Bitcoin Magazine never reports on ideas or topics we don't understand fully. These media outlets cannot say the same. Yeah, dude, Casey, you're being entirely too kind. You're giving them a way out. You're saying that they have a lack of understanding. Again, final word, that is completely beside the point. We don't need to know whether they understand or not understand Bitcoin. They're being told to push these narratives. It's not news. It's propaganda. All right. The minute that you understand that it's propaganda and not actual organic news, the safer you're going to be. All right. Moving on. UK's longest running Bitcoin exchange tackles Bitcoin's stressful sign-up problem. Nick Hoffman has it for Bitcoin Magazine. When signing up to an exchange to buy Bitcoin, the process can be long and daunting, which may prevent new users from buying Bitcoin. But CoinFloor has attempted to fix this problem with their app, according to a press release. When exchanges require you to submit your personal documents and photographs to verify your identity, it can be a real pain. Actually, it should be real illegal, but whatever. You often have to switch devices, check your email or phone for confirmation codes, etc. But with the CoinFloor app, you can submit all of your documents and photographs seamlessly right from your smartphone. Uh, the app easily guides users through the process to make sure everything goes smoothly. The new feature allows you to access your camera and take pictures of your documents and selfies to submit, making the whole process as easy as one, two, three. Oh, fucking AML KYC shit is killing me. And just talking about it so nonchalantly is a little sickening. I'm actually kind of disappointed with Bitcoin Magazine right here, man. Once users have completed the quick sign-up process, they will be easily able to link up their method of payment, and then they'll be on their way buying, buying Bitcoin with the exchange's one-time buy option or regular dollar cost averaging option. 
making the on-ramp po- uh, process easy is great because it helps put Bitcoin in the hands of more individuals and pushes us towards hyper-Bitcoinization. Quote, many people want to start investing in Bitcoin, but get no further than the time-consuming and stressful process of signing up to an exchange, said Obi Nwosu, founder and managing director of CoinFloor UK. Quote, this has long been Bitcoin's Achilles heel because it gives people the false impression that investing is complex and confusing. And this more than any other factor has delayed widespread adoption. End quote. Quote, further quote, the CoinFloor app was designed to remove this last remaining barrier. It not only makes the entire signup process faster and easier by an order of magnitude, we have also incorporated functions like dashboards and one-click social sharing that helps us turn any user into an evangelist for Bitcoin, helping them explain the benefits of Bitcoin to friends and family and showing them how easy it is to get started, end quote. As the bull run continues, <laughs> the bull run, as uh, you spelt consolidation wrong here, pal. Inflation keeps rising and interest in Bitcoin goes through the roof. This will be a big game changer when it comes to onboarding new Bitcoin users. Okay, guys, dude, Nick, uh, you didn't say one, one negative word at all about the fact that we're having to AML KYC all these people for, for any of this stuff to happen. All right, that's that's the illicit uh, activity. It's not paying hookers, buying drugs on the Silk Road or any of that bullshit. No, AMC or AMC, <laughs> AMLKYC is the illicit activity. All right, it's just a honeypot. Is and and you know I've I've AML'd myself so many damn times that I've. I've probably, my shit is probably already out in the wind over several data breaches that breaches that I've never even, haven't even heard about yet, right? I mean, it's sad, but it's just, it's out there and there's not a damn thing that I can do about it. But just putting on a big smile, like this is all okay without even, without a buy your leave or nothing out of Nick Hoffman is kind of irritating. Honestly, come on, Bitcoin Magazine, do better, do better. May, may, you know, the anytime that you write about AMC or God, AMLKYC, please, for the love of God, remind people that that shit doesn't need to be there. It shouldn't be there. We shouldn't have to do that. It's nobody's business how much Bitcoin I buy, where I buy it, who I give it to. It's nobody's business. It's nobody's business but my own. And it's nobody's business but your own. Let's run numbers. CNBC.com futures and commodities. We've got flammable liquids being squelched. Oh, God. West Texas Intermediate down a point and a half, or almost a point and a half, $73.46 for a barrel. Brent North Sea, likewise, is down 1.39%, $74.51 a barrel. And natural gas being saved from absolute destruction here at being down only 0.63% down to $3.65 a thousand cubic feet. Gas is at $2.26. That is reflecting a 1.13% drop in price. Shiny metal rocks likewise getting their asses handed to them. Uh, Gold is down half a point, uh, $1,801.60. Silver likewise down one, uh, one full percent. 
$26 an ounce. Platinum down a third, copper down a full point, palladium is also down a third. Uh, agricultural futures are mixed. Nothing's moving like they normally move. The thing that is moving the most here is, as usual, corn, which is up almost a full point to the upside. Let's see here. Dow futures going to open down a third of a point. S&P futures down 0.18. NASDAQ is going to open a quarter higher, and the S&P mini is down over half a point at this time. Real money is at $33,719. $176,931 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is roughly around 7,300 transactions on average per hour. With a quarter million BTC being sent in that period, that's 10,252 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.39 BTC. A median transaction value is, wow, really low, 0.018 BTC or $620.82. I'm gonna let me pause for a second to remind myself and you that last year around this time, the median transaction value was actually half in terms of US dollar value. It was about 300 bucks, okay? Just keep that in mind. For a long time, I got so used to re reporting almost like over a thousand, you know, $900, $1,100, you know, as the median transaction value. I've been talking about that or reading those, those numbers for so long. I forgot that last year around this time, it was the median transaction value was about 300 bucks, dude. So, you know, 620 is still double that. I'm just saying, just saying. Block times are high at 11 minutes and 15 seconds with 0.17 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 21.6 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 16.5% drop in hash rate, we're back under 100 exahashes, all the way down to 92.5 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, as usual, which is now under 20 cents, um, the, according to at least one exchange. Although I'm getting a price from HitBTC that it's 8 cents and not 19 cents. Wow, I, want, uh, ooh, I wonder if somebody's like, have, I don't know, man, that, that's probably a glitch. I, I hope somebody loaded up their bag full of doge on, on buying that dip so that they can get wrecked later on for you know buying doge. But anyway, moving on to Clark Moody's dashboard, <clears throat> showing 5,000 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear all the mempools. $631.6 billion is what we have in market capitalization, which is 5.38% of gold's entire market cap. We can purchase 18.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, with which the, of which there are 18,754,254.00 BTC in circulation. 1,790 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $60.3 million, with a total node count of 12,382, uh, that, well, 12,382 Lightning nodes that we can see, because there are some that we can't see. 
But we can also see some payment channels. It looks like there's 54,287, but again, be aware, some channels are private and we can't see them. So there's actually more than 54,000 payment channels. Now, 67.9% of the Lightning Network is now being run over Tor. And that means that there's about 1,215.74 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 7,044 nodes that we know about. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup, starting this one off with Samuel Haig from Cointelegraph. Wori, W-O-O-R-I. Wori becomes latest major Korean bank to announce crypto custody services. This is your host reminding you, not your keys, not your coins. According to a July 11th report from the Korean Economic Daily, the group's banking unit, Wori Wori Financial Group, has become the latest major South Korean financial institution to announce it will launch digital asset custody services. Bank is partnering with, God, this is terribly written, guys. Uh, it literally says, Bank, comma, is partnering with Bitcoin-based fintech solution firm Coinplug to establish a digital asset custody joint venture dubbed D-Custody. Coinplug will be D-Custody's largest shareholder, followed by Wari Bank. The joint venture is expected to be incorporated in the coming weeks. Existing Korean legislation maintains that domestic ent entities are not able to access the services of cryptocurrency exchanges, meaning the country's banks can only enter the crypto market via joint ventures of shared investments. While local banks are prohibited from directly entering the digital asset custody market, an increasing number of major Korean financial institutions are setting up joint ventures with partial ownership to gain a foothold in the industry. A Wari Bank representative stated, quote, in overseas markets, the digital asset custody has become a successful established practice among the new services offered by the banks. As of August, the uh, oh, sorry, my God, uh, as of August 2020, four of South Korea's five largest banks had declared their intention to launch crypto custody services, including Kukumin Bank, Shinhan Bank, NH Nongyup Bank, and Wari Bank. Kukman, the country's largest financial institution, had filed for a trademark application for its custody service in March 2020 before establishing digital or Korea Digital Asset Company in partnership with venture fund Hashed and local blockchain service firm Hetchy Labs in November. In June 2020, Nongyup Bank launched a blockchain financial services consortium in partnership with blockchain developer Excellent, with the group announcing plans to launch a custody business alongside Korea Information and Communications Company. In January of 2021, Shinhan Bank announced it made strategic investments in the crypto custody consortium Korea Digital Asset Trust, which is backed by a major local exchange Corbett. So, my read on this is that Korea also is flip-flopping on how the hell they're going to handle this stuff. Because last week and the week before, we had a bunch of Korean banks, you know, and basically kind of poo-pooing all over Bitcoin. And now it's this week, and we've got a whole bunch of banks that are actually launching their own custody services. 
So was last week and the week before and the week before that, was that all just setting up to clear out all the bullshit so that they could come in and take over all those services and get their fees, you know, basically start being able to charge fees for it? Probably. I mean, honestly, that that may very well be what's going on all over. Like in, in Europe, we keep getting all these people saying, well, you can't, you know, here's the regulations and we're going to screw you. And then everybody flips out and then they bail and then up. Oh, Lo and behold, here comes the already established banks with a whole bunch of customers that say that they're going to start, you know, letting them, uh, their customers start custodying their Bitcoin over there at their bank. You know, just unplug from the entire system, guys. Get a node. They're easy to run. You know, it doesn't, I mean, I use my node, right? And I, I, you know, have a hardware wallet that I can connect to my node and I custody, I custody Bitcoin myself. I, I don't need a bank. Yeah, it's scary. It is. But if I had, you know, I would be more in danger of losing my Bitcoin from letting a bank custody it for me. And then one day Joe Biden smashing a gavel down somewhere and all of a sudden that bank says, nope, you can't have it back. So I would rather take the ch I would rather take my own chances with my own Bitcoin. Thank you very much. Okay, let's see the inevitability of Bitcoin a supremacy from Bitcoin Magazine's Nick Aravisky. Sorry if I butchered your name. I'm sure I did. Bitcoin has risen from the dead so many times it makes Lazarus look lazy. Yet its doubters persist. Bitcoin is a bubble, they say. A risky speculation with little chance of ever becoming an established form of money, they shout. But Bitcoin's obituarists are not just mistaken. They are cast iron, copper bottomed, 180 degrees wrong because Bitcoin's success isn't speculative. It's a certainty. Or at least a certain, as certain as anything can be in the world of finance. Why am I so sure? Like any other Bitcoin supporter, I believe in the brilliance that's back, baked into Bitcoin at the technical level. I believe in the fundamental value Bitcoin holds for an individual's financial sovereignty. I believe in its capacity to move wealth through time. And perhaps most importantly, I believe it is the best way to survive the tectonic economic shifts we are witnessing in the world today. And we believers are no longer alone. Bitcoin is now being embraced by everyone from institutions to governments to ordinary savers. Despite the press being fixated on price, Bitcoin continues to pass many structural and cultural adoption milestones with rapidity and ease. All the evidence heralding Bitcoin's rise to reserve status is there. All you have to do is look. You don't have to search too far to find disquisitions on Bitcoin's technical and theoretical brilliance, so I'll keep my own pessis brief. When fiat replaced the gold standard half a century ago, the world's bankers, including central bankers, discovered a multitude of ways to debase the currency. President Biden's $3 trillion splurge is only the latest example of paper money's malleability. Conversely, and as more people each day are realizing, Bitcoin can't be inflated. There is a hard cap of 21 million coins. There's simply no way to print or create more of it out of thin air. Bitcoin's other advantages include the fact that being digital, it does not require physical infrastructure to store. No vaults, no heavily guarded vans or airplanes, no Fort Knox. You can transfer a billion dollars worth of, with a couple of clicks. And then there's the fact that Bitcoin is not controlled by a central authority, which has rendered any attacks, and there have been a few, ineffective. 
That, in a nutshell, is why Bitcoin ought to become the world's reserve currency. Now let's look at why it will. We don't need to speculate about Bitcoin's rise to reserve currency status because it's happening already. No, governments are not buying it or issuing bonds priced in BTC yet, but who says you need a green light from the government before you start putting funds into a safe haven? Several very large public companies have already started converting their fiat balances into Bitcoin, and why wouldn't they? As MicroStrategy's CEO Michael Saylor says, holding cash is like sitting on a melting ice cube. With businesses like Tesla, JP Morgan, and Goldman Sachs buying big tranches of Bitcoin and opening trading desks, and as loose monetary policy erodes fiat's value yet further, we're already a long way down the road to reserve currency status. There will be a no big aha moment when the Fed admits fiat was a mistake and starts converting to Bitcoin, and there doesn't need to be. When private companies, corporate treasuries, and ordinary citizens adopt Bitcoin as their go-to savings asset, everything snowballs from there. There's another key driver of adoption that's rarely mentioned. It's often forgotten that politicians are people too. And if they're smart, their financial advisors will be urging them to hedge against the coming one world currency, one world tax system, and ever surveilled economic paradigm with Bitcoin. The government's hypocrisy is going to become increasingly evident as governments continue to speak against Bitcoin when its own members have holdings themselves. None of this is meant to give the impression that Bitcoin will follow a single arrow straight pathway to hegemony. Even our community disagrees on how the Bitcoin network should develop. Some say it's perfect as it is, but others think that there's more work to be done on UX, infrastructure, and blockchain-based financial services. It's the same with regulation, with opinion divided on whether Bitcoin ought to be regulated or if it should not or cannot be subject to oversight or control. There is wisdom in these views, but however Bitcoin develops, <clears throat> one inevitability is that attempts to kill it will fail. Countries like India and Pakistan have tried to ban holding or transacting Bitcoin only to be defeated in the courts or simply by the technical impossibility of stopping peer-to-peer -peer transactions. My own view is that regulation is an inevitability, and as such, the best option is to preemptively gun for sensible and industry-led frameworks, and it is my hope that governments will engage in constructive dialogue with those who understand Bitcoin's technological and monetary characteristics. Postponing the inevitable does no favors for anyone, but through engagement and collaborations, we can build a new economy that's fit for our increasingly digitally connected lives. Yes, regulation is a slow, often ponderous process, but the sooner we have clarity over how governments will officially view Bitcoin, whether a black, white, or gray economy, the faster we can finally deliver solutions that work for everyone. We, along with many other financial experts, are waiting in the wings, always willing to engage with governments and regulators so that together we can make the inevitable work for everybody. Uh, some people really like regulation. Some people want the clarity. I, however, am, I'm, I'm, I'm just not interested. <laughs> I'm not. However, I, I get, I get, the the some people that really do want regulation and crave that legal clarity or whatever i i get why they're saying it because that's the only way that you can get chain chain bytes new atms being deployed you know you can't you can't do that without regulation so 
This is actually the press release from Chainbytes announcing their new two-way Bitcoin ATM. It's written by Enrique Salazar. The Chainbytes team is excited to reveal the latest Bitcoin ATM, which is named the Chainbytes Plus Two-Way Bitcoin ATM. Our team developed this kiosk with both users and operators in mind. The Chainbytes Plus allows users to buy or sell Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies with ease while providing operators built-in hardware and back-end solutions for effortless, effortless compliance. It's a plug-and-play machine and is equipped with top-of-the-line components. Also, the t- kiosk and its user interface can be customized to fit your brand's identity. Its small footprint allows operators to install the machine at a wide range of locations. One of the most distinctive features of the Chainbytes Plus kiosk is a top-mounted second screen for marketing campaigns. With the second screen, you can generate an additional source of revenue by selling ad space. (laughs) Put ads on everything. We have partnered with BTM Compliance, a firm that specializes in Bitcoin ATM compliance and regulatory support to help you meet the legal requirements associated with operating a Bitcoin ATM business in the United States. For $1,000, BTM Compliance will register your Bitcoin ATM operation with the appropriate regulatory bodies and complete other legal processes required so that you can start doing business right now. Furthermore, Chainbytes will help our Bitcoin ATM owners and operators position their businesses online by including their kiosks in our Bitcoin ATM location directory. This will contribute to our clients' SEO and digital marketing initiatives. Uh, Members of our team have been developing software solutions for the financial services industry for over two decades. Since 2012, our CEO, Eric Grill, started working on a state-of-the-art Bitcoin ATM software, which is run by several Bitcoin ATM manufacturers and operators worldwide. Chainbytes also has deployed several successful projects in the blockchain space, including blockchain-based digital bill pay and remittance payment solutions, tokenization of real estate projects and Bitcoin exchanges. So there you go. If you want to buy or start, you know, I don't know, get yourself a Bitcoin ATM to, to go throw somewhere and, and, you know, get into business for yourself, you can always talk to the guys over at Chainbytes. I'm looking at the picture. It's a pretty slick, it's, I mean, it's a slick looking ATM, even though it does have the second screens for ad space. It's freaking ridiculous, man. But nonetheless, it's a pretty slick looking machine. It looks nice and tight. Looks like, I mean, when they say small footprint, they're not messing around. It's no bigger than any other ATM that you've ever seen. So if you want to go that way, uh, there's your chance. Samuel Haig is writing this one for Cointelegraph, and this is about Katie the Russian, one of my favorite people in the space. Former pro sailor uh, brokers tax haven passports for wealthy crypto clients. So if you don't know what it was that Katie the Russian is up to, uh, she basically lets you flag in different countries. And this, this article kind of breaks it down for you. Russian expatriate and former professional sailboat racer Katie Ananina is the founder of Plan B Passport, a firm that brokers citizenship through investment schemes for tax haven nations that don't impose capital gains on crypto holdings to wealthy investors. According to a Sunday report from CNBC, Plan B brokers hundreds of passports for predominantly Western clients every year. Customers select from one of seven jurisdictions, St. Kitts and Nevis, Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, Vananutu, Granada, St. Lucia, and Portugal. Quote, 
If the government starts affecting me, I will take all of my assets into my hands and go elsewhere, said Ananina, adding, quote, I was smart enough to figure out that 200 bucks in Bitcoin will be worth $100,000 at some point, and I don't think the government should have 40% of that, end quote. Fucking A, Katie. The safe haven states offer citizenship through investment schemes requiring six-figure investments into local businesses, real estate, or government bonds. Some jurisdictions accept payments as donations, with Ananina estimating most passports cost between $100,000 and $150,000 U.S. Quote, it's basically a donation into a sustainable growth fund of a country. So clients make a $100,000 to $150,000 donation, plus some due diligence fees, government fees, and then there's my $20,000 for legal fees, she said. Okay, I'm going to pause right there. I am really shocked that she actually told people what her fee is. 20, you know, 20 grand for doing, for pushing the legal work on all this shit. I mean, okay, yeah, I wish it was, it'd be nice if it was less. But the fact that she actually told you how much her service cost is freaking amazing. I mean, hats off to Katie, dude, for being up front with that shit. This is one of the reasons why I like Katie the Russian, because she doesn't bullshit around. All right, here we go. Uh, Plan B's clients will also incur exit taxes should they revoke their existing citizenship. Anna Nina became a Bitcoin maximalist after witnessing a 50% crash in the price of Russian rubles while living in Spain and competing for Russia's national sailing team in 2015. Quote, my macroeconomics professor wasn't able to explain that to me. There was no chance I could run my equations and figure out what happened there I realized I wasn't happy with how money works, end quote. Citizenship through investment schemes has come under increasing scrutiny recently following a series of investigations by Al Jazeera that revealed wholesale corruption among the officials overseeing the programs in Cyprus and the Caribbean, with some Caribbean states being found to offer diplomatic passports for the right price. Cyprus abolished its citizenship through investment scheme in October of 2020. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Why? Why do we even need citizen, citizenship at this point? Can you actually think to yourself why we need this? Because for the life of me, I'm, I'm looking at it and I just, I just can't figure it out. But whatever, Katie, the Russian, Katie, the Russians out there doing good work. So that's, that's all I care about. El Salvador Bitcoin move will put pressure on the network, says J.P. Morgan. <laughs> Helen Parts is writing it for Cointelegraph. And before I even begin to get into this shit show, let me just warn you. If you've got children around, get them out of the room. Not because I'm going to cuss my head off, but because the amount of stupidity that is pouring out of J.P. Morgan and their misunderstanding of the Bitcoin network and what's actually going on in El Salvador is going to scar them for life. So please, get little Timmy out of the door here. Daily payment activity in El Salvador would represent more than 1% of the total value of BTC that has been transferred among wallets in the past year, J.P. Morgan experts say. And not a single word about the Lightning Network anywhere in this. 
Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they get it. Let's, let's just go ahead and, and get through this thing. A J.P. Morgan expert group led by economist Stephen Plasio released a report suggesting that El Salvador adopting BTC as legal tender could put a strain on the Bitcoin network. The experts <laughs> said that Bitcoin is highly illiquid, noting that most Bitcoin trading volumes are internalized by major exchanges with more than 90% of Bitcoin not changing hands in more than a year. The use of Bitcoin as legal tender in countries like El Salvador will potentially put a significant limitation on Bitcoin's capacity to serve as a medium of exchange, J.P. Morgan's experts noted, noted, pointing to the cryptocurrency's illiquidity and trading nature. Quote, daily payment activity in El Salvador would represent 4% of recent on-chain transaction volume and more than 1% of the total value of tokens which have been transferred between wallets in the past year, they said. The J.P. Morgan experts, they keep saying that, oh, it hurts my head. The experts also noted other challenges associated with El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender, including the potential impact on the monetary system alongside official dollarization, a continuous imbalance of demand for conversions of Bitcoin to the United States dollar could cannibalize onshore dollar liquidity and eventually introduce fiscal and balance of payment risk, the report added. As previously reported, El Salvador's parliament passed a bill to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender in early June, with President Naib Bukele stating that accepting Bitcoin would be mandatory for all businesses. A number of global financial regulators and institutions expressed skepticism over the move, with the International Monetary Fund warning of potential legal and financial consequences. JPM analysts suggested that El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption could jeopardize IMF negotiations. Good. I hope El Salvador never has to take another loan from the IMF or the World, the world, well, the world Bank. I hope they don't ever have to talk to, to Charles Schwab. I'm sorry, Charles, was it Klaus Schwab? Yeah, the, the leader of the World Economic Forum, which I still trying to figure out who this, where this guy came from. It's like he just popped up with his World Economic you know, uh, Federation or the WEF. <clears throat> And all of a sudden is able to tell governments how to act. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of <clears throat> Schindler's List, where a broken down two beat bum basically sold every possession that he had to get a wad of cash so he could buy a suit and a good watch so that he could cozy up with the Nazis and look like he was something. And then he forced his way into basically manufacturing for the Nazi, for the uh, uh, German army. He was just a two-bit bum, man. And he just came, he built himself from nothing and, and he hornswoggled himself into pretending long enough to be so, of some importance that the Nazi regime gave him a shit ton of contracts. And all he did was go to parties and buy expensive gifts for the high German, you know, for the, in the, the highest people in German rank. It's just, he just, he, he basically just bamboozled everybody. I think, I think Klaus Schwab is, I think that's where he came from. I think he's probably a two-bit bum at one point or another. And, well, he's part apparently related to the Rothschilds. But I, I think he just kind of pulled a, a Schindler and just shoehorned himself into the upper echelons of, of world government. So the, the other thing to note, and I keep forgetting this, is that... When El Salvador made this move, it's forcing Walmart to accept Bitcoin. And that will be interesting to see what they do. 
will Walmart leave El Salvador? And if they do, that's sort of like, you know, tucking their tail between their legs and running and allowing a huge gaping hole in retail in El Salvador that uh, poor people will be able to fill with their own stores. They'll have a chance. They'll have a chance to open up their own retail store to take the place of Walmart. I'm kind of hoping Walmart, Walmart bails. Or, I mean, I guess I could hope either way. Maybe I should hope that they take Bitcoin. I don't know. I'm just saying that this move by El Salvador, because Walmart operates stores in El Salvador, they fall under, they have to follow the law of El Salvador, which means that if they don't close up shop, then Walmart is going to have to accept Bitcoin. And there's a couple of other international chains that are down there too, and I can't remember the name of them. They also are large conglomerates, and they also, like Walmart, will have to accept Bitcoin. The thing that this entire article misses, and the, the thing that the JP Morgan people completely miss, is that a lot of this stuff is gonna be lightning, and lightning network enabled. It's gonna be on the side rails of Bitcoin. You're not going to pay for an empanada from a street vendor with an on-chain transaction. That's not going to happen. That's why they're working with Jack Mallers because they need the liquid network for this shit to work. We've always known that. We've always known that. You can't be in Bitcoin for very long without figuring out that the actual on-chain payments, the on-chain transactions, most likely and most rightly should be reserved for very large transactions like buying a house, a farm, transferring billions of dollars between governments. Right? That's what an on-chain transaction should be utilized for. For buying coffee and empanadas on the street, we have the Lightning Network, and they completely miss it. They still think that I'm gonna go to El Salvador and buy a burrito or something like that from a street vendor and pay with an on-chain transaction. They, these are the JP Morgan experts. Experts, people, experts. They're experts. Fucking experts don't know jack shit about anything. If they did, if JPM's experts knew anything about this space, they would have in that report said, but the, the the Lightning Network will alleviate this and here's why. But they didn't put that in the report because they can't control Bitcoin. And that's why they tell media companies to shit all over Bitcoin every single day. They can't control it. They pretend not to understand it. I guarantee you they do, but they're not gonna let you not know that. And they're going to tell their media crony friends to shit all over Bitcoin so that you don't know it either. It's why we have to do our own research. And at this point, we need to meme our, an entire media corporation into existence that doesn't act like a bunch of type A, C-suite, suit-wearing bastards. And we can just be real people to each other and have our own media company that doesn't flat-ass lie all the time, that isn't controlled by JPM, that isn't controlled by people from the World Economic, Economic Forum calling us and saying, hey, you better, you better say this or you're gonna be in trouble. It would be great. And we almost, I think we, we actually have that ability to do it right now. Honestly, if we really wanted to, we could do that shit right now. Why? <laughs> because homeboy memed a fake news story into existence with a Twitter account and Yahoo Finance picked it up and printed it. 
That, that's why we can do it. If we wanted to do it, we could do it. And I think we should. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, let's kick this Monday off with Dad Says Jokes. Elton John has bought his pet rabbit a treadmill. It's a little fit bunny. Yeah, like I said, it's Monday. We begin the week. So what will the week bring? Oh, hell, I don't know. Probably news stories about boiling lakes and Nick Carter being violent. And we'll, have, we'll just have to see. But the funniest thing that people are doing right now on Twitter, if you're not noticing, is that everybody's changing their name to some kind of like, uh, like global fi- financial consultants. And it's like American HODL, you know, when, when you get down to it. But there's so many there's so many Bitcoin Twitter pleb accounts that have changed their name to sound something corporate, and it's all because that one dude memed a fake story into existence and Yahoo Finance picked it up. I'm telling you, I am telling you, if we wanted to, we could start our own media company and never have a building. We could do it all from like our podcast booths. You know, all the writers that are out there, the the meme lords, dude. It would be epic. It would be absolutely epic if we did it. Will it happen? I don't know. But it would be a good day if it did. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.